Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. You know, this is, uh, I'll be 70 next month. And uh, these last hundred days have been crazy. Crazy. Uh, I think the first thing that got my attention uh, back in mid-March is uh, when I went to, uh, uh, when I went to uh, the grocery store, uh, I just really didn't expect that there would be no toilet paper, no paper towels, no milk, no coffee creamer, no cheese, no alcohol, rubbing <laughs> kind, rubbing kind. And, and I, was, I was just flabbergasted when I got home. I said, Linda, it's gone. It's gone. And I think Honestly, what disturbed me the most is I didn't get there first because I'm a hoarder. I'm a hoarder, and uh, some of you live with hoarders, and uh, uh, you know it is. This is true. It used to be a symptom of, uh, of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, which I have as well. But it's grown so much, it's its own disorder called hoarder disorder. I'm, this is serious. I'm true. And, it's, and, it, and it's, it's the fear of letting go of things. I got that. I got that. I could take you up to my study uh, and open the door and tell you, enter in at your own peril. Or my office. Or the back seat of my car uh, at home. Okay, my wife's gonna kill me on this one. Okay, and she is in this service, but I, you know, need to be consistent. Uh, she's got a walk-in closet, uh, and uh, and I have a walk-in closet. There's just one problem: I can't walk in to my closet. <laughs> it's just st- stuffed with stuff. So why why all the hoarding. Why? Well, I think the answer is, the, I think the common feeling, emotion of, of the season is the, the, at least for me, has been uncertainty. Now, listen, even in the best of times, if we could somehow get in our mind and go back to January and February, uh, and even prior to that, okay, there was still so much about our journeys that was really uncertain really was. But with the, with the, the, the pandemic and, uh, and with the protest and all uh, that's going to the job losses and all of that, it's just, uh, it's just uh, uh, it expanded that great sense of uncertainty that at least I wrestle with in my journey. And I think it's probably pretty true of everybody else. I mean, we could have, who could have ever, uh, four or five, six months ago, who could have ever predicted that we would be in this unbelievable season of, of uncertainty. And at least for me, someone who is a, a type A personality, high D, control freak, 
to have to live with such uncertainty is unsettling. Trust me, it is unsettling. And it just spawns all sorts uh, of emotions of anxiety and stress and worry and, uh, and fear and, and even maybe anger. So I really think in so many ways the common emotion, though people may use different words, I think the feeling is the same as this great sense of uncertainty. So at least I began to wonder, is, in this ever-changing world, is anything certain anymore? Is there anyone, is there anything that I can really count on in this tremendous season of uncertainty anymore? Well, many of you will be familiar with uh, Benjamin Franklin. Not long after the, uh, uh, the development of the Constitution, he wrote these words, there are only two things certain in life, death and taxes. And that's still true, death and taxes. We, we live in an uncertain world. Though this has been a season for me of uncertainty, uh, I want to say uh, uh, running parallel to that, and maybe that is a function of age and perhaps some wisdom, and that is, okay, I don't want a, a, a pandemic is a terrible thing to waste, and I don't want to see what's happening as, a, as, a, as an interruption as much as an opportunity. So I began to wonder, what is it, God, you are, what are you saying? What are you training especially to me? to me during this season. I don't want to come back on the other side and not be better for you and better for the kingdom. But that means some things have got to take place during the high season of uncertainty if I'm going to get there. So what is it you're trying to say especially uh, uh, to me? Because none of us, I mean, none of us really know uh, 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 the future. I mean, stop and think for a minute. What can we really, really, really count on? Politicians. Oh, no takers. Government. I guarantee I'll have a job. Finances, stock market, world peace, elimination of all racial tension. I mean, there's just... There's just so little certainty and there's so little that we can actually count on in the world in which you and I live. Though to some degree that, that's always been true. But there is one thing, there is one thing, no matter the season, no matter how great the uncertainty, that you and I can count on. And that's this. The one thing that you and I can count on is that God is in control. I'm telling you, that's, that's, that's true. And I know for those of us who've walked with Christ for a season, we, 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 we know that intellectually and, and biblically we know the Bible teaches that. But what does that mean to me? How, how, could, how will that affect how I live and think and the attitudes that I choose and behave tomorrow and in the days ahead? How will the fact the principle, the truth that God is in control impact me and potentially impact you. Well, I think when we grasp this truth, it can change everything because we don't control very much. Trust me. I got uh, in my pocket uh, hardly anybody. In fact, they try to get rid of this coin currency. I have 10 pennies in my pocket and I number them one through 10, one through 10. And I'm going to shake them up. I'm going to put them back in my pocket. And I'm going to pull out one penny. And the chances of the number one being on that penny 
are one in ten. Now, I want to put that one back. We'll shake it up again, and I'm going to pull out two pennies. And the chances, the chances of one and two being here are one in a hundred. Now, I'm going to put these back in my pocket, shake it up one more time, and I'm going to pull out three pennies. And the chances of me pulling out one, two, and then three is one in a thousand. You know what the chances are of me pulling out all ten in order? One in four million. You say, what's the point? Listen, if you and I can't control a few pennies in our pocket or in our purse, what makes us think that we can control anything? These are pennies, and I can't pull them out in order. We can't control hardly anything in our lives. And again, as a control freak, I don't like that, but nonetheless, it's true. So how does the reality of that truth, the one thing that I can count on is that God is control. How, how will it impact my life? I think in three ways. Number one, it means my plans must be flexible. My plans must be flexible. I'm a planner. I'm a planner. God gave me a wife who isn't a planner. That's true in many of you in your homes, okay? I plan just about everything. And it's a good thing uh, to plan and to schedule things so you have some order and some routine in your life. But I need to remember that no matter what plans that I set down, they're always subservient to the plans that God has for me. I mean, you think about all of the kids uh, this last spring, especially those maybe juniors and seniors in high school, didn't get proms, uh, didn't get graduations. Uh, so many things got uprooted in their world. Then we look at the adult world, and so many of us had plans for this or that over the summer months, and then those things got changed as well because of COVID-19. I mean, think for a second, how many times in your life have your plans changed that God changed them? I mean, think for a minute. Think for a minute of the first person you were convinced you were going to marry. Now you wish you did. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. But that didn't happen, did it? Think about, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to college maybe, university. I'm going to go to trade school. I'm going to get this. And then I'm going to do this for a living. It didn't happen. Except for the exceptions, it didn't happen. All of the plans that we kind of laid down just didn't, just didn't come to pass, did they? It just didn't, didn't seem to uh, work out, did they? Not at all. He is in control. Look, look at this next verse. For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans, the, uh, uh, declares the Lord, plans to give you welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan, and mine is subservient to his plan. Notice the next verse. Proverbs 19, 20. When many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Ours have to fall underneath his, whether we like that or not. Plans, things change. And then next, 
uh, in James chapter uh, 4, come now you who say, this is kind of a, uh, a life situation where somebody, some man, some woman uh, is a business person. Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town. We're going to stay there for a year. We're going to do work. We're going to trade. We're going to make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know the future. What is your life? Well, your life, is you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. So what's the mindset? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, Deo valente in Latin, if the Lord wills, God willing, we will live and do this or do that. God is in control. God is in control. Now, does that mean that raises a question? It raises the question, if he is in control, do we have any free choice? I mean, do we have any freedom at all? Well, yes, we do. Yes, we do. I, uh, I hard to believe, but at one point in time, even though I was short, I was a really, really good athlete and a really good basketball player. I could really handle uh, uh, the rock. I really, really could. was a pretty good shooter. And uh, uh, imagine me getting into a one-on-one -on -one game with LeBron James. You didn't have to laugh. Okay. Just imagine it, okay? He and I have court one-on-one, one-on-one, okay? I'm free, total freedom. Man, I can go dribble behind my back. I can dribble between my legs. I can shoot a jump shot, though I have to really jump high, okay? I more likely have to back up and shoot. I could get out of the three-point line, and I could juke him a little bit, and I could shoot. I might even get a bucket or two. But the outcome of that one-on-one -on -one game with LeBron James, as much freedom as I enjoyed, is never in question. He's going to win. He's going to win every time. But I was free to do and, and to take all the moves that I had. Imagine, though they're not doing that right now, we went over to Port Canaveral and we were going to take a, a, a cruise to the Bahamas. I've been on two or three cruises, and, you know, those boats are unbelievable. There's so free, much freedom. There's so much to do. Entertainment, you can eat yourself into oblivion. I mean, there's so many things that you can enjoy and do. But in the end, as much as I am free to move, you know where that boat's going to end up? The Bahamas. The Bahamas. But I had a tremendous amount of freedom the whole few days that I was on that boat. Yes, we have a lot of freedoms. Yes, we do. And we should be grateful for those. But all of those have to fit into God's plans. So my plans and your plans have to be flexible. See, this is important because this doesn't mean that what, what we want to do, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It just means that I don't have to feel like I'm in charge and in control of everything. Uh, as a basketball coach, one of the things I've always told my players before a game, control what you can control. Control what you can control. You can control your attitude. You can control your coachability. You can control your effort. You cannot control the officials. You cannot control that much on the other team. And you cannot control so many other variables, but control what you can control and things will be fine. That's true in life. Though we can't control a lot, we must control what we can and leave the rest to God. It really would help all of us who are like me to sleep better at night just to trust God and His control. So my plans, my plan, need to have them, but they must be flexible. 
Second way the truth that God is in control impacts my life is that it means my problems must be purposeful. My problems must be purposeful. Life is not a series of uh, uh, random, as it were, events without meaning. Life has meaning and purpose for those of us who are in Christ. Everything that comes into our lives, good, bad, or even evil, has been filtered through a heaven-loving Heavenly Father's hands. He does not shelter us from the difficulties of life. I mean, uh, God saved the Apostle Paul and called him into an itinerant ministry uh, to take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And yet, he was beaten twice, almost to death. He was arrested in prison twice, and the last time he was beheaded. Now, God didn't cause that, but he allowed it to happen to one of his finest and choicest servants. Look at Job. Job was the most righteous, godly man on earth in his day, according to uh, the opening chapter. And yet, he lost everything, everything that was dear and precious to him without any explanation whatsoever. See, God doesn't owe us an explanation. You and I, we're on a need-to-know basis. We only need to know what God chooses to tell us. A perfect example is Jesus himself. God sent his son to do what? To live a perfect sinless life, to die on a cross for our sin, and to resurrect him into newness of life, and to give us hope and forgiveness of sins. God could have stopped that, but he didn't. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Bad things, difficult things, pandemic things, lost job things failed relationship things. Those happen to all of us. Problems, uh, problems come, as it were, in, in our lives. I, I, don't, I don't think we can say God causes all of them because He allows them. Listen, I don't need God to cause problems in my life. I'm pretty good at it myself. And you are too. Look at James uh, chapter 1 and uh, uh, verses 2 to 4. see, Problems have purpose because God is trying to do something to you and me as his children through those difficulties. And sometimes we miss that because our attitude and our response to the trouble or the problem is wrong. Listen to what James says. Count it all unfair. Count it divine discipline. Count it punishment. No. Count it all joy, not happiness. We're not in a problem. We're not happy in the circumstances of the problem. But we can have joy in it because of the reigning of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, knowing that God is in control and that He is up to something really good in my life. So start by counting it all joy. Lord, I don't understand this, and I'll be honest, I don't like this, but I know that you're sovereign. Everything is filtered through your hands. So when you meet very, when you meet trials, various kinds, they could be financial, they could be vocational. They could be relational. So many different kinds, but they come. Count it all joy when you meet various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith, trials, testing of your faith, write one word over it, problem, problem, problems. 
But when we rightly respond with an attitude of joy and confidence and trust that God is at work, God is in control, then that problem can produce steadfastness, perseverance, uh, tenacity, uh, grit in our lives. And as that is happening, notice next, and let steadfastness, let it, have, let it work itself out over time, maybe more than once over time, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's maturity, which is the goal. Every difficulty, every problem, every experience that comes into our lives is for our good and for our growth. But so many times because our attitude sucks, we miss it. We miss it. And we miss an opportunity to grow and to become more like our Savior in attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors because we're too busy complaining about it. Problems. Right attitude, perseverance, tenacity, grit. The result, I'm growing to be more like Jesus. That's how it works. So if God's in control, I need to have plans, but they need to be flexible. I know problems are coming, and I need to realize God is at work, and He has a purpose. And then last, it also means that my prayers are impactful. Now, there are a lot of disciplines in the Christian life, but the one that's been the most difficult for me to maintain consistency through the years has been prayer, which is an oddity since the Holy Spirit led me to write a book on prayer a year or so to go. Usually you write books uh, out of the success of your experience in some area, not the failure of your experience in an area. But nonetheless, I obeyed God, and I did that. But I think many of you will identify what I'm fixing to share. Have you ever entered into a, a season of prayer? Maybe it's in the morning or at night, and you're into a season of prayer, and just as you begin to pray, you begin to hear these voices. What are you doing? You know this is not real. You know that there's no one listening. And even if there were someone listening, they don't care. They're not going to do anything. You're just trying to psych yourself up. You're just trying to convince yourself of something or someone that's really not there or is not going to do anything about your situation. Just give it up. It doesn't make any difference. You ever have those thoughts? Listen, because God is in control, because God, prayer works because God is in control. That, that, that's why it works. You see, God can control the uncontrollable. God has the power to act and, and overrule and control anyone and anything. I don't believe government's greater than God. He can overrule it. I don't believe pandemics are greater than our God. He can control it. I believe that somehow, someway, in the mysterium of prayer, when I pray, your will be done. Help me to grow through this experience to become, uh, to become more like you. And God does something in my heart, perhaps in the hearts of others, that makes a difference and brings about a change because my prayers make a difference, even when God is in control. 
So, we've got to decide, what am I going to do with this truth that impacts my life, that God is in control? Well, we've got to decide whether or not, I really struggled with what to call this, relinquishing control. Using that phrase could lead you to believe that you have some, and you really don't. Have some freedom, but not control. But how do we go about relinquishing? Well, it starts with getting to know Him better, getting to know Him. We tend to relinquish control to the people that we, that, we, that we know. Spend time in the Word. Never go to a sermon that you don't ask of that sermon. What did, what did I hear today that helps me understand God and His character and His work more? Get to know God better. Next, when I get to know Him better, knowing Him better enables me to trust Him more. The relationship is built on trust. It's the glue. And that trust comes from knowing Him better. And if I know Him better and I trust Him more, then increased trust will enable me to yield more control to Him. And this is where we want to get to yield more control to Him. Corey Ten Boom made this statement. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future, which is we don't know. Listen, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know if our loved ones are going to be here 100 days from now. Listen, we don't even know if we're going to be here 100 days from now. We don't know about the future, but we know the one who does. So never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So what's the one thing, no matter what happens, even moving forward, what's the one thing? then you and I can hold on to and count on that God is in control. Amen? A couple of questions for you to personally reflect or maybe discuss uh, today at lunch or what have you. What area or areas, but start with just one, what area do you most need to surrender to God's control? One, just one. And then secondly, how could trust, how could trust in God's control impact your uncertainties and that sense of being unsettled in your emotions? How could it impact that? Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that you are God and we aren't. We acknowledge that we are your creatures, that you are the creator and we are the creation. We acknowledge that we take responsibility for too much control and not trust you in your control. And we ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for your patience, your grace, and your mercy. And Lord, I pray that uh, as we continue to make our way through these very difficult, difficult times of uncertainty, that we would focus our attention on this life-changing truth. Practically, you not me, not the government, not a vaccine or anything else. You and you alone are in control. And may we find comfort and hope in that truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.